This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Another Saturday, ready to rock and roll. Hey, welcome into the program. It is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier, kicking off another weekend here. A little dreary this morning here in Kansas. A little bit of rain. Might clear up a little bit today, I think. Maybe a little showers in the afternoon. Who knows? I guess we could use the moisture and the precipitation. So, hey, welcome into the show. It is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Getting you up and moving for another Saturday morning. Lots to get to today as usual. It never seems to end right when you think you can take a breath. You can actually, you know, move a little bit slower, not have to worry about some issues. Boy, we are definitely um, not living up to that because there's a lot to talk about. Big show lined up for you today on a Saturday. At first, I want to hear from you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. This hour is open to you for phone calls. I want to hear from you on numerous different topics. We'll get to hour number two. We have uh, Todd Starnes from the Todd Starnes Show. If you've heard some of the program changes here on the KQAM airwaves, uh, we are excited to have Todd Starnes on the air from 2 to 4 weekdays right after Dan Bongino and right before our local uh, or our national broadcast here with the Voice of Reason at 4 p.m. So 2 to 4 is uh, the Todd Starn Show, and we'll talk with Todd here on the program here in hour number two to properly and officially welcome him to the KQAM airwaves. So we got that. Bottom of the hour next hour at 10.30, we have Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General. We have our monthly update talking about some legal issues going on in the state of Kansas. So uh, that's what we have for guests today. Outside of that, I want to hear from you. We have our state legislative session. They are getting ready for their final week, the veto uh, week. As they go in, they finish up some uh, major issues for the state of Kansas, and they have a lot to discuss, and they're going to be ramming through a lot uh, going into the next uh, couple of days or at least the next week when they end up going back into Topeka. They have the uh, sales tax on food, which has been discussed throughout the entire session. Will it happen from every legislator that we've talked to? They say, yeah, it's going to happen. So we'll get to that and talk about where we are with that. In fact, they're talking about some other tax cuts as well as they already have been working on the state budget for the year and what the budget could potentially look like. And while that budget is increasing a little bit, unfortunately, but a lot of it due to just wage increases with inflation, I mean, that must be awesome for state workers to be able to get an inflated uh, rate there for competitiveness there. The private market struggling with that eight, uh, 8.5% inflation rates in the nation that are making it difficult for us to actually be able to survive because I don't see us getting an 8% bump in our pay. But maybe some are, and the state needs to be competitive just at that rate of competitiveness. I don't know where we're at. So uh, we'll, we'll have some conversation with some state legislators on that relatively soon. But could we potentially see some more tax cuts in the state of Kansas due to higher rates of uh, tax revenue coming to the state? Why are we getting more tax revenue coming into the state and why we're seeing a big growth and big jump in those tax rates? That's an interesting question, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So we have some state issues I want to get to. Also, Kansas uh, expanding a little bit the uh, 15-year-olds that may have a driver's permit being able to drive on their own without someone in the vehicle with them. Where can they go? And can we just stop beating around the bush and just – make 15-year-olds the uh, get the ability to actually get a driver's license 
Or do you think that's a good idea or not a good idea? We'll talk about that in a little bit here as well. We have some federal issues as well. We obviously have social media. We have the Biden administration with him aimlessly walking around during the Easter holiday last week where he was trying to shake a hand that nobody was there. We have the Easter bunny guiding him to where he needs to be. We have Mrs. Biden that's telling him to, all right, now you just stay here. You just sit right here, okay? And he's, oh, okay, I'll just, I, she's telling me to stay right here. Like, come on, dude. It's kind of wild to see the fact that uh, he really is the old guy in the retirement home that's supposedly leading the country, and it's just a little bit dangerous. So we'll get to all that and more. It's a big program lined up for Saturday today, and I want to hear from you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, all of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are opening up in about 20 minutes from now. We'll get Phil back on the show, I believe, next week to talk about some gold and silver markets. And I'm actually going to go see him after the program today. Excited to chat with him. I haven't been to the shop in a while and uh, need to get some gold myself. So uh, I'll be swinging by there after the program. And uh, Phil Martinez, great guy, Phil, uh, philscoins.com. You can also go and check them out until 2.30 this afternoon at Phil's Coins at 9344 West Central Avenue. Where do we want to start for the day let's start with this now this is some audio that i didn't think we'd be playing anymore you ever think that you'd hear this guy again barack obama's back on the scene he made kind of a reintroductory party a couple weeks ago at the white house where again joe biden was kind of left out barack obama came in called joe biden the vice president Joe Biden said that he was the vice president. Barack Obama came in with the great celebrity status. He had a great party, a whole bunch of people around him like he was that celebrity after his speech. Joe Biden was again aimlessly walking around wondering why no one was trying to talk to him, not knowing what the hell's going on. But Barack Obama, for some reason, has made a reemergence back into the world of politics. Now, some say that he's been kind of the master, the puppet master behind the scenes this whole time behind the Biden administration, which I can definitely see that conversation as well. But I am curious on why Barack Obama's making a public reemergence now. Why? Doesn't make any sense to me unless he has some political angle to this. Uh, because he can't run for president again. Is Michelle Obama going to run? But maybe, but she has hinted that she really doesn't want to. But what is his ambition here? Why is he reemerging back into the world of politics? And what really fascinates me is why is he starting to talk about and comment on all of the current events of the day there's an angle to this and i have forgotten with the years that have passed since the barack obama reign and us kind of reversing that reign with donald trump uh, in 2012 when we kind of reversed half of his policies and we got back on track in normalcy and reason and common sense in the country i had forgotten about how dangerous this guy actually is barack obama is kind of a dangerous character he was smooth he was suave, and when he talks, he talks in 60% truth and be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, and then he tried to throws, he throws in his agenda of like, whoa, wait a second, what did he just say? I forgot how good the guy was at speaking. I forgot why people had swarmed to him in his first two elections in 2000, uh, what was it, 2000, whenever he ran, 2004 and 2008. I had forgotten why he was so popular as he was. And it's because he is damn good at being able to win over people, and he is really, really good at being able to twist, manipulate, and turn things around into sounding like what he's saying is a very, very good idea. There's some audio that came out from just two days ago on the 21st. I don't know where he was. He was at Stanford, I believe, and he was discussing cyber policy, and he was talking social media. He was talking free speech. 
And he said some really interesting things. No democratic government can or should do what China, for example, is doing, simply telling people what they can and cannot say or publish while trying to control what others say about their country abroad. And I don't have a lot of confidence that any single individual or organization, private or public, should be charged or we do a good job at determining who gets to hear what. That said, the First Amendment is a check on the power of the state. It doesn't apply to private companies like Facebook or Twitter any more than it applies to editorial decisions made by the New York Times or Fox News. Never has. Social media companies already make choices about what is or is not allowed on their platforms and how that content appears both explicitly through content moderation and implicitly through algorithms. All right, I'm kind of doing this in a reverse order here because this is the ultimate goal here, that private companies, as he's talking social media, Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media sites, they do not apply to the First Amendment. Therefore, they can censor whatever the hell they want to, which he's technically right constitutionally, but... There's a grander conversation to be had there as well. At the beginning of the speech, he did openly say that he's open to the First Amendment. But again, listen to the sneakiness. Listen to the, wow, he really went there to where you almost sound like you want to agree with the guy, but you realize that he's absolutely nuts. Media companies, tech companies, social media platforms did not create the divisions in our society. (laughs) Here or in other parts of the world. Social media did not create racism, or white supremacist groups. Didn't create the kind of ethno-nationalism that Putin's enraptured with. It didn't create sexism, class conflict, religious strife, greed, envy, all the deadly sins. All these things existed long before the first tweet or Facebook poke. Solving the disinformation problem won't cure all that ails our democracies or tears at the fabric of our world. But it can help tamp down divisions and let us rebuild the trust and solidarity needed to make our democracy stronger. Okay, so what he just said there, that freedom of speech, that the speech on social media, Facebook, Twitter, didn't create the hate speech, didn't create the racism, didn't create the the, the hate mongers that are out there in the world. And he's, again, accurate... But yet, what did social media do? For those that don't have social media accounts because you don't want to deal with the crap social media, I totally understand here. Uh, However, we have to recognize now that this is how the majority of some of the newer generations communicate. We saw the media over the last eight years, uh, nine years now, I guess, go after Donald Trump for every single tweet that he came out with. Social media has become the way people communicate. It's no longer sitting face-to-face. It's no longer turning on the TV and watching an unbiased journalistic news report about what's going on in the world. No, it's about 500,000 people on a social media site that's all giving their opinion about what the news article really was and how it actually affects them in their personal life. Social media is now part of us, whether we like to admit it or not, and we have to admit that in order to move forward to secure the younger generation and actually stop them from being brainwashed left and right. Barack Obama is too right, again, in that 60% range there. Yes, it did not create hate speech in the world. However, it did expand it and exemplify it. 
and it's doing it based on social, uh, uh, by putting in the shadow banning, by putting you in these little corners, and by making sure that you don't actually have any repercussions when you do say something god-awful and absolutely hateful. When progressives are out there on social media and a professor can come out and say that NRA members need to be shot, when you have different people on social media saying that Donald Trump needs to be murdered, that his kids need to be t- uh, need to be kidnapped, that his wife needs to be taken advantage of, when they go off and say these horrible, horrible things, and they get away from it, and they get away with it, when you have social media bullying with younger kids, how they're ugly, how they're fat, how they this, how they that, how we post you know photos of kids, how they put videos of kids on there, how they actually film instead of actually stop kids that are actually getting into fights. The social media bullying is a major thing. Now, bullying has been going on since the beginning of time. It's always been there. It's never going to go away. And it's our response that's going to try and minimize it as opposed to expand it. What social media has done has allowed it to get worse. So, Barack Obama, you're wrong. You're right in the sense that it didn't create it. You're wrong in the sense that it hasn't had an impact on it because what it actually has done has made it worse because you can say something on social media, not to somebody's face to where you're going to get smacked or punched or your nose broken. You can say it on social media and act like a social media keyboard warrior and not have any repercussions to you except for maybe if you're on the Republican side or conservative side of the aisle, maybe some type of Facebook ban or jail time to where you just can't post for a couple of days or a week or so, and then you can go back at it, or worst case, have your account deleted. Outside of that, there are no repercussions right now. So it's almost made it worse because now you're not looking the person in the eye when you call them that name and then seeing a glossy-eyed because your nose is broken by the end of it. Kind of a difference there. Social media has changed the dynamic of society, but then he goes on to try and say that he's a defender of free speech. We aren't going to get rid of all offensive or inflammatory content on the web. That is a straw man. We'd be wrong to try. Freedom of speech is at the heart of every democratic society. In America, those protections are enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. There's a reason it came first in the Bill of Rights. I'm pretty close to a First Amendment absolutist. (laughs) I believe that in most instances, The answer to bad speech is good speech. I believe that the free, robust, sometimes antagonistic exchange of ideas produces better outcomes and a healthier society. Again, man, I forgot how suave this guy actually was. Now, he can't do it without a teleprompter. Let's remember that one. But I forgot how good this guy was at sounding really, really Uh, pro-American, really, really patriotic, really, really standing for constitutional values. I forgot because that's a complete lie right there. Uh, That would be nice. You're right. Bad speech needs to be countered with good speech. False news needs to be corrected with proper news and real news and fact and truth. And we need to show that. The problem is right now, we're not getting that from the social media. Someone can be on there and say the stupidest crap on social media. We try to correct them and then we get labeled as false news and fake news. And it really got exemplified during the COVID-19 pandemic. Perfect example of that. So I agree with the idea there. But again, nothing that he actually believes in. Nothing that he actually stands for. He likes a little bit of the content just to show how radical the other side is and then try and look like the suave, cool guy that just put out a fire because he wants to be the great savior. Man, I forgot how suave that guy is. He's a dangerous one. Look out, because he's still in the political realm. Why he's making a reemergence right now 
is something that we should be maybe just a little bit concerned about. I don't know, moving up to the United Nations, trying to take a different position, get back into the world of politics. Dude, you did your time. Now go away, please. Go away, please. We'll take a break. 21 minutes past the hour. I want to get your thoughts on this. Social media, where are we with it? Does the First Amendment apply to social media and free content, free speech on the interweb? And what do you think of Barack Obama's reemergence? We'll get to some of that and more. I want to hear your thoughts. We'll take some phone calls when we come back. Plus, also, as a reminder, I had two pair of tickets left to the Shinedown concert coming up on Thursday next week. We'll give those away throughout the program as well here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I want to hear from you. Your thoughts. Social media. Do we have freedom of speech on social media? Should we be allowed to have freedom of speech on social media? Here's the thing. Barack Obama, again, with his 60% truth, half lies, half truth, you know, trying to promote this certain progressive liberal agenda, which he was very, very good at, obviously, for the eight years that he was in the White House. It's interesting how he's reemerging now, coming out, saying that uh, First Amendment not being protected by Twitter and Facebook. No democratic government can or should do what China, for example, is doing, simply telling people what they can and cannot say or publish while trying to control what others say about their country abroad. And I don't have a lot of confidence that any single individual or organization, private or public, should be charged or we do a good job at determining who gets to hear what. That said, the First Amendment is a check on the power of the state. It doesn't apply to private companies like Facebook or Twitter, any more than it applies to editorial decisions made by the New York Times or Fox News. Never has. Social media companies already make choices about what is or is not allowed on their platforms and how that content appears both explicitly through content moderation and implicitly through algorithms. All right, let's break this down, shall we? Technically, yes, he is right. The First Amendment does say it's really against the state. The government cannot come down and jail me or execute me because of what I say here on the radio. They can find me if I say a certain word through the FCC violations, if I throw out some really bad words that I shouldn't be saying, but they cannot jail me. They cannot execute me for speaking out against them, speaking out against the policy, speaking out against something like that. They cannot do that to you. They cannot do that to anybody. That's what the First Amendment's all about. I get it. Yes, there are private companies. However, we've been bamboozled. We've been hoodwinked. We've been lied to, and that's why people are angry about social media. They come out and say they're not content creators and that they're not publishers. They're an open platform for anybody to have a view on there. This is much more dangerous than what Barack Obama tries to play out because while they say that they're not a content creator, while they say that they're not a publisher, they're getting those protections from the government as if they are publishers. They're getting that protection as if they are content creators, and then they are deciding 
for humanity who gets a large amount of their news and information from social media on what they deem is truth and not truth, what they deem is fact and is not fact, and what they deem as hate speech and not hate speech to where progressives can say some really vile crap that doesn't violate their community standards. All we say is, hey, maybe I don't want to get the vaccine, and now I'm considered... Uh, medical misinformation and I get banned for some way shape or form we have been lied to about what these platforms actually are that sucked us in to be part of a community online which is the way the world has gone for many aspects and then they try to silence us shadow ban us give the platform to other people and then try and demonize us on there at the same time that's not okay they've been lied to and I think we're a little upset about it lots more coming up here on Kansas Talk stay here to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. It is Kansas Talk. Happy Saturday. I see a little bit of sun trying to peek up out there. Still pretty overcast. I enjoy this kind of weather. Here's the thing. I love rain. It's hard to wake up and get moving in the morning with the dreariness in the rain, but I love it and it energizes me throughout the rest of the day. Once I'm up and I'm active and I'm doing things, then I actually feel great with it. But man, you try and wake up with it. Really difficult. Great to have you for the show today here on Candace Talk 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. All presented by Phil's Coins. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Again, if you are looking for any reason to get silver or gold, whether it's for an emergency fund, whether it's to try and do a collection, whether it's just because you want some, regardless, uh, whether you just have questions, he's like the only guy, not just in Wichita or in the region or in the state, but really in the whole Mid-America region that actually has some on hand. It's very difficult to get it right now, obviously, with a lot of the shortages. He does his shipments daily and orders daily, so that way he can continue to have a good supply coming in. So if you need some and you need some now, and you don't want to wait like seven to eight weeks, then he's kind of the guy to go to. So we'll get him back on the show next week and get another update on what that market actually looks like. Free speech. I want to talk about that. Plus, we have some statewide issues I want to get to here in a second as well. If uh, what's Here's the question for you outside of the free speech and Barack Obama. On the statewide level, what do you think our state legislators need to focus on for the last week of the session of 2022? What is the priority? What do you think the priority needs to be? Is it the sales tax on food? Is it the budget and more tax cuts in the state? We talked with Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, just a uh, week or so ago, and he had talked about how we could see some property tax levels going down a little bit, which, oh, oh man, you're touching the property taxes, man. That's that's a dangerous game there. That's a dangerous game. So what would you like? Or is it something completely outside of the budget and taxes? Is it the marijuana issue that, that has not gone through or gone past the Senate right now because the Senate uh, has had other issues going on uh what is the priority to you that you want legislators to focus on for the last bit of the session plus uh not telling you when but maybe by the end of this segment hint hint wink wink we'll be giving away some more of those tickets to shine down i have two pair left so we'll do two winners today not right now but we'll do two winners today uh that'll each get a pair of tickets uh to shine down at interest bank arena with pretty the pretty reckless it's the revolutions live tour they're coming on thursday next week at 7 p.m april 28th and we have two pair left, so we'll give away those here in just a bit throughout the program as well. So stay tuned in for that one. Until then, let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Andy. 
Sean. Mr. Sean. How are you, sir? I tell you, dude, how much can one guy take? But I'm fighting <laughs> the power, dude. I'm sticking it to the man. Sticking it to the man, fighting the system. That's what we're all about. I done stuck it to the man once this morning already, so <laughs> I'll tell you about that later. But uh, listen, <clears throat> I've been putting up with that wrinkled up old cackling screeching windbag known as the Hilda Beast for 30 years. Mm. She All just right? won't go away, huh? Water, she's worse than a bad rash. She's like a case of genital herpes. <laughs> stuck with her for life. So, but as for um, Obama, that guy, I have believed for years he's an antichrist. And as long as he is alive, he's a threat to this country. And the reason that he's reared his ugly head now, and the reason that uh, the Hilda Beast is out there, you know, screeching again, is because the midterms are coming up pretty quick. and be here before we know it, really. And these guys know that the, their party is going to get slaughtered, absolutely slaughtered. So you think, they're using, you think they're using him for kind of a morale booster for Democrat voters then? Have him come out, do some campaigning, talk about some different candidates, go on the campaign trail, trying to get people rallied up again? No. 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 Okay. That's not that alone. Not that alone. He's there to muddy the water. Mm. That's why he's there. You know, every ex-president, when their time's up in office, they get the hell out of D.C. But not him. He stayed. He bought a house there so he could continue his evil behind the scenes. Part of it was undermining Trump when he was president. But, you know, he kept the low profile then. And now, but, you know, he's the one that I believe is pulling the uh, strings of uh, of uh, O'Biden. I mean, the guy's just evil, man. He's he. he yeah, I, no. I mean, I, I agree with you there. I really think that he has been heavily involved in the Biden administration. I think that he has been maybe the uh, to the puppet master behind the scenes. We've been wondering who's actually doing it. Is it Kamala Harris? Is it, you know, uh, AOC? Is it uh, Harry Reid? Is it or not Harry Reid? Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer? Is it, uh, you know, who's actually behind there keeping things somewhat up and up with Joe Biden, who has no clue what the hell it's going on? But I, I agree with you. I truly believe that Barack Obama has been heavily involved with it. I do believe that a lot of the quote unquote government leaks during the Trump administration of conversations, of phone records, of all that stuff. Stuff. I believe a lot of those leaks were uh, were orchestrated from Obama trying to sabotage Trump because Trump was going so far in reversing all of his policy. Uh, and I really do think that he thinks that he has some type of future in delegating Washington, D.C. And you're right. He is so good at coming out and muddying the water based on talking about issues by being the cool, suave, hip guy that's able to act like he cares about what Republicans think. And conservatives think, but then being able to twist it around and being able to make them try and quote unquote look foolish and, and promote his own agenda. He is the ultimate narcissist and he is a very dangerous guy in politics and he is still a very popular guy in the Democrat Party. So whether it is campaigning and trying to do a morale booster to get Democrats to turn out or whether it's him with more politically ambition, I don't know, but... He has some type of ambition and it is interesting on the timing on why he's reemerging right now. Well, their own strategy is going to come back to bite them in the butt, whatever exactly it is that they're up to. But but I'll, I'll tell you this much, okay? Several years ago, Fresh Limbaugh made a statement that for the first time, I disagreed with him on that, although I never got to uh, talk to the guy. But um, I have believed for years that the Democrat Party is going to consume itself from winding up on the ash heap of history, mm. Okay. 
And what I see going on today is something I prayed about sir, back in 2004. I'm saying my that prayer, you know, I got mad about this crap one day. It was an election year, 2004, okay? And I I was pretty fed up the way Bush had been treated throughout his first term, which is nothing like the way Trump got treated. But I got mad one day, and I went and I complained to God about it and asked him to do something about it. And I'm not going to say exactly what I said, but what I'm seeing is my prayer getting answered on a daily basis. Is this party, the Democrat Party, is, uh, uh, I believe, under great satanic influence. Uh, uh, but that's because I, I'm looking at it from a Christian uh, perspective rather than just a political perspective alone. But just sticking with the politics of it, uh, everything they're doing, you know, these guys have finally come out of the closet and they're, and they're, uh, uh, and, and they're, they don't even realize what they're doing to themselves, I don't think. But it's going to bring an end to that party. You know, um, things are going to get worse. Yeah. And, and uh, no, I agree. Like uh, here's, you're right. Yeah. I, I agree. The Democrats are on a self-destruct mode. And they're doing it internally. They are rotting from the inside out. And while they try and show a strong casing on the outside of it to go into an election season saying that they had things going on, they have zero accomplishments under the Biden administration and Democrats that they can actually parade going into an election season. So the only thing that they have is trying to deflect like they always do. Instead of looking in the mirror, they deflect. They look at Republicans and they try to dismantle Republicans, which is why Barack Obama is coming out there, because they are rotting in the core right now based on. Uh, morality based on values based on just their policies as well they're rotting and they have this internal war between the old guard of barack obama of nancy pelosi of chuck schumer and the new guard of socialists with aoc that's even more dangerous just in a different way and they're beating each other up now I will say that the concern for me is that Republicans, unfortunately, have done the same thing. And we're kind of an expert at this, that we've done the same thing for a very, very long time. Because every time that we get the majority, you got to remember, Trump went into the White House with a majority in the Senate and a majority in the House. And we still took two years to actually get something done because Republicans do the infighting on their own as well. And they were so anti-Donald Trump with some members of the party that we self-destructed and we blew an entire two years where we could have done so much work, but yet we decided to self-destruct as well. So I would say that both parties right now need a bit of clean, uh, cleaning up and we're getting better as Republicans, but are we really going to? And are we actually going to utilize and take advantage of the opportunity? Well, um, here's the deal. Um, uh... If I don't feel so pressed for time, I could explain myself better because uh, you know, I start fumbling around when my when my brain gets ahead of, of me, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I know that God's got a plan, and the reason God He's got gazillions of plans, and He's got plans within plans. That's that's the brilliance of His plans. That's why they never fail. I know He's got a plan for this country. Sure. He's not, he's not going to let some mortal narcissistic scumbags who think they're higher than him, these arrogant turds, foul up his plan. Okay, so um, this is something that God sometimes yeah, has. You're right. At the end of the day, it's it's Israel. You know, I completely agree. And Scott, uh, uh, Sean, I do have to take a break, so I appreciate that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're going to see his doing, which is why we have to remember that. 
and we have to continuously remind individuals that there it is a however they believe in it some sort of higher power in some way shape or form because right now as we've seen in other nations and as we're already starting to see in the nation here is that as government continues to grow belief in a higher power and whatever that higher power may be for individuals personal beliefs uh continues to dwindle because they look towards government for those answers as the quote-unquote God to save them and take care of the issue as opposed to that higher power to either do it for them or to give them the ability and the will and the power and the strength to do it themselves. Uh, regardless, uh, they begin to lose that understanding that they can actually change things through the will of a higher power or God as opposed to looking towards the government to quote-unquote do something. Government has been very, very good at that, and every time government continues to grow, Belief in that higher power continues to dwindle, and that is a very dangerous thought as well. So as long as we keep that thought in mind and we continue to remember where our abilities actually do come from, then I think that would help us as well at the end of the day. Oh, you know what? You know what? We're not going to do that. We're not going to play that meme because we are going to get ready for this bad boy here. Coming up Thursday next week, April 28th. He's ready for it. I think you are. I know you are. Let's do this thing. Come on. Shine Down, The Pretty Reckless, The Revolution's Live Tour. Coming up on Thursday next week at Interest Bank Arena. I have two pair of tickets left before the concert next week. Let's give a pair away right now at caller number two at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK, the only conservative talk show in the entire country that is awesome enough to give away tickets to a metal concert because you guys are just awesome like that. We'll do that right here. Caller number two at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK right here on KQAM. again with the AARP Weathers, the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. It is the AARP. You can find them online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Glenda's back on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you? I'm doing well today, Andy, and you? Doing great. It's always good to talk with you. As we talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network, we always try and find ways to prevent fraud, to be aware of fraud, to protect ourselves against fraud. And you guys have always worked really hard with this, including your new program with an online resource center where people can go and get some tips and tricks and information to try and help veterans, especially against some of the rising fraud. What's going on with you guys? Yes, absolutely. This particular um, online resource is, as you said, targeted or aimed at our um, veterans, our military, and their families, because we're seeing an um, increasing number in scams that are targeted toward uh, that community. So AARP, on, as of today, and actually just hot off the press, launched the AARP Veterans Fraud Center. And that's a new online education and resource center that will help protect our veterans, their serv- uh, service members, and their families against fraud. Uh, we're actually finding that one in three military families report losing money to scams that are specifically trying to take advantage. And we know that's because people have uh, trust in the military community. So uh, they are, we're really working hard to do that, to, to, to protect them. 
I love it. That's a really good uh, opportunity. Now, yeah. because they're targeting these veterans, I'm assuming, is it military-based of, hey, donate to this military charity, try and help out these certain veterans here? Uh, are those the type of scams that are really targeting these individuals that uh, that are on the rise? Yes. You know, as we talk about the fact that they are losing so much money in these scams, uh, some of the, the um, ones that they're looking at or, or being targeted at, for example, the benefits payouts, um, you know, where we're turning over U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs pensions and or their disability benefits for a supposed lump sum of money that never um, materializes. We see that about 47 percent of them are in, you know, in that particular area. Also, we have fraudulent record scams paying to have their military uh, records updated, and that, that should never be a charge to, to do that. Also, uh, fake charitable giving requests, as you just mentioned, just mentioned, yes, donating to uh, fake veteran charities. So these are some of the things that's really creating uh, almost uh, $267 million in loss in 2021, which is really increased from 2021 up to over, um, you know, as to what it is now. So these are things that's really happening to individual veterans and to their families. But we do have some resources. Yeah, yeah. Talk about some of those resources. What uh, what yeah. are you guys doing, and how can you help uh, individuals from being victim to these frauds? Exactly. So the free um, resources that's a part of this uh, AARP Veterans uh, Fraud Center include a new uh, AARP Watchdog Alert Handbook. Uh, it's a veterans edition, and what that does, it highlights tips that uh, will help them to detect ways that con artists are trying to target uh, veterans and their military families. Also, there's a um, the AARP Fraud Watch Network and Scam Tracking Map to really kind of show us where it's really uh, happening the most. And also, Operations Protect Veterans. That's a joint program of AARP, Fraud Watch Network, and the United States Postal Services. So they're working together to get that done to um, um, as a resource for veterans and their families. Ooh, I love it. If people want to get this information, get these resources, reach out to you guys about the Fraud Watch stuff, uh, how can they do so? Yes. So in order to uh, do that, they can actually go to the um, AARP.org um, and slash veterans or vet fraud center. Uh, it, again, that's the AARP.org uh, slash vet, V-E-T-S, fraud center. And that's where they'll find additional information, um, information about the handbook and all of the, um, that's for the center. But then also additional information about caregiving, uh, job searches, you know, other things that's really important uh, to veterans. I love it. I love it. We got just about a minute left here with the AARP. Talk about what else you guys are working on outside of the Fraud Watch Network. You always have great uh, streaming events. You have different get-togethers. I mean, you guys have a lot of stuff going on right now. Yes, we do. We continually have all of our um, virtual events that uh, you can go on the AARP.org um, network or, or website and actually just hit slash events and they will find them. And also we continue to have our um, uh, concerts every other Friday. So there's a lot to do and you can find those on our AARP uh, Kansas Facebook and our YouTube pages. I love it. Always some great information there. Check them out, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. You can also find them, follow them on the social media as well. Glenda, we appreciate it very much, and we'll chat with you again next week. Thank you, Andy. You take care. There it is, hour number one, all in the books here for Kansas Talk. we got lots more to get to hour number two. Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General.
Todd Starnes as well. We'll do that welcome. Plus, we have our winner for the first pair of tickets to Shine Down. We'll do another pair, hour number two. Lots more to get to. Stay here on KQAM. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome into Kansas Talk. It's hour number two. Officially here. What a first hour we had. A lot of conversation, a lot of things to ponder, to think about, to expand your cranium on a Saturday morning, which is what we're all about, trying to get you up and moving for the day, trying to do it in an energetic way. I mean, it is Saturday. People moving a little bit slower on Saturday morning. So, hey, that's what we're here for, trying to get you up and going excited for the weekend. Welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we covered a lot of ground in hour number one. We'll continue with some of that conversation. By the way, anybody, show of hands, anybody really been paying attention at all in any way, shape, or form to the whole Johnny Depp case going on? Why is it, and I found this uh, on social media that I thought was hilarious, why is it that we can stream the entire Johnny Depp case on on media, on mainstream media, ABC News, CBS News, NBC News, all these guys that are covering the Johnny Depp case that's going on, but yet we didn't hear a damn word about the whole Jeffrey Epstein or Ghislaine Maxwell case. Like, hello, hello, maybe we should be a little bit paid a little bit more attention to what's going on with corrupt politicians that were like going to a pedophile island, uh, potentially, allegedly. I know that probably just booted me off of social media. But why didn't we pay attention a little bit more to that stuff than we are to uh, an actor who was getting abused by his girlfriend or wife? Which I will say, if you're going to discuss it in any way, shape, or form, can we at least just say this? Is this not the perfect example of what crazy extreme feminism has done to society? We now have two cases in the last couple of months of extreme feminism that has put guys to twist themselves into absolute pretzels. We have Johnny Depp that is completely, uh, uh, you know, just being abused, talks about being hit by his wife, the tip of his finger being cut off, like the yelling, the screaming, the craziness. Now, is he partly to blame? Who knows? I mean, it's a domestic dispute. They probably were both in their not the right mind. They have things of him getting cocaine. He's a Hollywood celebrity. What do you expect? And those guys live a really weird life as well. And Johnny Depp's a little bit on the more weird fringe because that's just who he is, which allows him to make great movies. But... At the same time, it sounds like he's been in a really crazy abusive relationship for a long time, and he didn't want to come out and talk about it because it's not okay for men to come out and talk about being abused by uh, women. But we have this case. Then we had also the Will Smith case with his wife. What's her name? Jaden? Jaden Pinkett Smith, where she apparently was all fine about her not having hair. Will Smith laughs at the joke about her not having hair and then sees her, sees the look on her face, goes and smacks the guy and then gets in trouble by the girl who says that you shouldn't have done that. And now he's in a mental institution for crazy depression because of the attacks that he's been gotten from the from uh, the public and from the private sector and from his wife, who has now belittled him because he acted irrationally after giving him the look of you better like stand up and defend my honor in some way, shape or form. Guys twitching, uh, twisting themselves into absolute pretzels for the crazy feminists in society that are trying to dictate. Now, I'm not talking about, like, you know, women's strength and women not having the ability to do stuff and being independent. That's not what I'm talking about. So progressives that are all upset are like, oh, you don't like women. You don't know me. You stop that. You stop that. 
You want to see what real feminism looks like? You check out my wife, Mrs. Voice of Reason, who is very strong-willed, who is very independent, and yet she doesn't belittle me. She doesn't abuse. Like, there's a crazy balance there. What a wild concept. Instead of this that we're seeing today, where women can do anything, and according to the progressives and the hashtag MeToo movement, that as soon as the woman says something, then anything that the guy says is completely negated and irrelevant because the woman is always the victim. That has been led to by crazy radical feminism. So that is an interesting social and, and cultural thing that we're going through right now. Outside of that, I really don't care about Johnny Depp in the case. I mean, it's a domestic dispute. It's sad that it's ongoing. But why are we broadcasting this live on our TVs uh, every day? But yet, we aren't hearing cases about the Hunter Biden laptop. We're not hearing about the cases of Joe Biden and uh, the, the, the Biden family all over actually having ties to China and to Russia and the Ukraine, which I will just say this before we move on real quick and take a phone call and get to our interview with Todd Starnes. Did you know? Did you know? That there are the new sanctions coming out against Russia exclude the wife of the mayor of Moscow, obviously the capital of Russia. The sanctions that are putting all these sanctions on different high-profile billionaires and the high-profile political people and Vladimir Putin and Vladimir Putin's daughters because somehow they have some tie to all this as well. They put a sanction on the mayor of Moscow, but they didn't put the sanctions on the wife of the mayor of Moscow, who is worth like, I don't know, a billion dollars or something, and paid Hunter Biden close to $300 million in services. Yeah, the wife of the mayor of Moscow, who paid the Biden family lots and lots and lots of money, she somehow just forgot to be put on the list for the sanctions with Russia. So... As we continue with the ongoing Russia and Ukrainian conversations of what's going on over there, just remember that it isn't always as we as it seems. And the Biden family, while they say they're being tough on Russia, isn't really being tough on Russia, which really shows what side of the aisle that they're really supporting, wanting Russia to do what they're doing while they say they support Ukraine. Kind of an interesting conversation. Let's go to the phones here real quick, shall we? 316-721-8255, talk line number one. Good morning, who's this? Scott. Scott, how are you, sir? Well, I see that, uh, like you say, propaganda, you know, not only uh, nationally, locally here, I mean, the governor's race is starting. They're claiming that the governor did this and did that. I don't see any results of what the governor has done. I mean, the food tax, they never did get anything done with that, but yet she wants another four years up there. Locally here, the police chief, he happened to resign just before the a uh, big blow up with the uh, Texas of the racist uh, cops that nobody can trust. You know, we don't know who these cops are specifically. So any of those cops who stop you could be one of them. So uh, that's why I think it's important that people know who their public officials are and who are the public servants are so that you can identify these people so you can know whether you're in harm's way or not. It's all about activism, Scott, isn't it? It's all about being involved, knowing what's going on in the community, and actually being involved with it. We're seeing it with law enforcement. We're seeing it with the school board, not just here in Wichita either, but school boards all over the country. We're seeing the activism where once people start paying attention and knowing what's really going on in the community, uh, and I think COVID-19 really uh, showed that and expanded on that to where the uh, mandates and masks and all this other garbage were coming down from the local levels. We started to realize what little power we actually had as citizens in our local communities and how much we need to actually be aware of that and start changing things. Well, see, the, the uh, politicians that people vote in there are supposed to be held accountable. 
And so this is an election year. You need to make these people be accountable. I mean, I don't like when politicians act like, well, we can't we can't fire the police because it's up to the city manager. Or we we don't have control of the of this COVID situation because it's up to the health, you know, some bureaucrat. You you need as a, a elected official to stand up and take action for the people that voted you in. And if you can't do that, get somebody else in office. I agree with that one, Scott. I appreciate that. We need to get to our interview here, but I, I, I completely agree. Another prime example of that that just burns me up and annoys the crap out of me has been the city council when we had the uh, the food shortage or the uh, grocery store uh, dry areas, the uh, food deserts, as we like to call it. Scott, I know you've talked about that one as well. The food deserts going on in different communities in Wichita here, and the city had to discuss and pass a resolution allowing people to be able to grow gardens in their backyard and sell it to their neighbors and uh, actually have it as a quote-unquote produce section or some type of uh, a farmer's market and how we have uh, the city has now allowed people to sell the vegetables out of their backyard garden to members of the community around them because before you weren't allowed to do that apparently. Really? Really? The city has to tell us what we can and cannot do with our vegetables in our backyard i'm sorry if i make a vegetable garden in my backyard and i want to sell it for a couple of bucks to my neighbor or to the guy down the street i think i'm going to do that in government i really don't give a crap what you tell me i can and cannot do on that front and it's sad that that's the conversation they had to have to try and loosen up the food deserts this is what we have to do to try to allow it to make it easier for people to get stuff out there wow thank you guys thank you appreciate it thank you mind Fuhrer, for allowing us to actually be normal in society. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, as you know, there's been a bit of a change, program change over the last couple of weeks on KQAM during the week, right after Dan Bongino, which Dan Bongino is killing it. We love Bongino to death. Right after that program, we've done a bit of a program change away from Dave Ramsey into Todd Starnes. And many individuals in the Wichita area know Todd Starnes. He's been extremely popular. He's come to town many times for book sales and for presentations and book signings and all that good stuff. And we are super honored to have him on the KQAM airwaves right here from 2 to 4. Every single day, right after Dan Bongino and going right into our program with the Voice of Reason, uh, every single day, Monday through Friday, we sat down with Todd Starnes just a couple of days ago to officially welcome him to the KQAM Airwaves right here in Wichita, and this is what he had to say. Todd, how are you, my friend? Andy, doing great, and it is such an honor to be on your, your great radio station, and we love hearing from the good people of Wichita. I tell you, there is a great response that we've gotten so far, and people love your program. You weren't even in the market yet, and people already knew you and love you. So uh, that's just a win-win for you and I both. We love having you here in Wichita, and we had to get you on the program to say welcome to the Wichita market. And, man, what a program that you have. It's already kicking off with, uh, I tell you what, you bring the feistiness every afternoon. Uh, well, you know, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, we, we really want to bring in those uh, news talkers, you know, the big talkers, people making news, making the headlines, so that we can uh, have a conversation with those folks and also give our listeners the opportunity to ask questions as well. Uh, you know, we're a listener-driven uh, radio show. There just aren't many like us out there, and I think that's what really separates us from the, the rest of the folks out there, you know, doing talk radio these days. Yeah, well, and you're expanding. Uh, obviously, there's a demand for it. People want to be able to listen to the issues, but then have their input on it. And I think that's what you're able to bring, which is, as you like, like you mentioned, kind of a dying breed in radio because not too many hosts want to take phone calls and and challenge people on the air anymore. Yeah, and and you know, and that really kind of makes it fun for for me because you never know who's going to call, 
what people are going to say. Uh, we have a policy on the radio program that if there is someone who disagrees with me, they go right to the top of the, of the list. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we want to get those calls on the air so we can kind of have that fun back and forth. And uh, we have actually a couple of liberals that call in on a regular basis, one of them, Jerry, the liberal from Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we love going at it a time or two. That's what we need in society nowadays, isn't it, Todd? I mean, now we see it. We're obviously hearing about Twitter and the censorship and social media. I mean, I've gotten shadow banned. I've gotten social media blocked. I know you've had the same issues as well. There's a lack of dialogue that goes on in society. And I think if dialogue actually came back, we might actually be able to maybe not agree with each other politically, but at least be able to understand our points and not call each other ridiculous names and actually almost kind of sort of get along a little bit. So so here's the deal. Uh, we were originally, to, to your point, uh, Jerry loved to call in uh, back years ago when I was in New York doing the show, and he would just scream. I couldn't get a word in ed- edgewise. So one day I thought, you know what, we're going to set him up. So sure enough, he came on and he was going a mile a minute, and then he stopped. And then I go, Jerry, how are you doing today, Jerry? <laughs> and it caught him off guard. He just kind of came undone and and we ended up started. He started laughing, and then I started laughing. And so we we made a, a pact that if the RNC is ever in Milwaukee, we're going to bring Jerry on the show to co-host <laughs> the show together for a day, just to see how that goes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That would really, like we mentioned, bring people together, but maybe get rid of some of the radical ideas as well, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe that would weed out some of the AOCs and. Some of the the uh, the wild ones that are in politics, maybe in Washington D.C. right now, if they had to actually defend their positions and use a substantial argument as opposed to just trying to dismiss you because you're a crazy radical on the other side, if we had to defend positions, maybe we could actually get some substance back in politics. Well, and that that's that's a good point. You know, the problem is there are so many people out there who want to cancel folks like you and me, and and they're very serious about it. And and I'm very serious about being a defender of the Constitution. I do believe in free speech, and I'm going to defend your right to say whatever you have to say, whether I agree with it or not. And we we, we seem to miss a lot of that. But ultimately, especially in the talk radio world. I grew up listening to folks like Paul Harvey and Rush Limbaugh and, you know, some of these old, you know, these old school guys who have now gone on to their reward. And, And one of the things that a lot of the new generation of talkers, they never really quite figured out. It's not about yelling. It's not about your position on the issues per se. It really is about entertaining people on the radio. And I think that component of it has been missing. And and we try really hard every day to bring that in. We want people to step back and laugh a little bit and have a good time in the afternoons in Wichita. That's what it's all about. We're talking with Todd Starnes. You can find him online, toddstarnes.com. You can also listen to his program right here on the KQAM Airwaves weekdays from 2 to 4 right after Dan Bongino. Real quickly, some of these current events that are fun to watch, kind of frustrating, and we bang our heads against the wall right now. We have 8.5% inflation rates right now across the nation. We have gas prices that are skyrocketing. Which apparently, if we just release all of our oil reserves and we put uh, less efficient ethanol into it, that's going to solve the issue as opposed to actually producing our own energy. Uh, is this a winning platform for the midterm elections, you think, for Democrats? <laughs> I think the Democrats even know the answer to that question, and that's why they are really freaking out. I mean, we've all seen the polling numbers, and they're they're horrendous. I mean, what thirty three percent think the president's doing a great job. I'm I'm shocked the numbers are, are that high. 
But it, what, what's interesting about all of this, there really is only one person to blame, and it's Joe Biden. When he started printing all that money, we knew what was going to happen next. And, and it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And what's interesting about this, um, everybody is suffering. This is not just one specific segment of the population. We are all suffering at Kroger. And I hear the complaints. I'm sure you do as well, Andy. And that means bad news for the Democrats because people are going to be sending a message that they are incredibly unhappy with the direction of the of the country right now. Yeah, they've got to find a way, especially which we see it every year of election season. We see things start to calm down right before the season to make things look good for the party to stay in power. But when you have an eight and a half percent inflation rate, that's not going to get better. When you have a food shortage, it's going to start uh, glaring its ugly face come summertime. I think here in the country and other parts of the world, it's already there. And we're already seeing how bad it is because of the Russia-Ukrainian war that's going on uh, with gas prices that are extremely high, which usually we see come down by election season. I don't know how they're going to be able to artificially lower those prices for everything and keep a sustainable food supply going on uh, and then try and say that they're doing a good job going into midterms with saying that they've rebounded the economy. Yeah, they're not going to be able to do it. And and this summer is going to get ugly. Uh, folks better start planting some gardens pretty quickly um, because, you know, there are going to be food shortages out there. And it's not going to be this is not going to be like. When people ran out of Charmin during the early days of the pandemic, uh, there won't be truckloads of Charmin coming up afterwards. Uh, but but it's the food situation that really has me concerned, Andy, and uh, that could get pretty ugly here in the country. That is very true. Uh, we're talking with Todd Starnes. Let's talk COVID real quickly before we let you go. But how are things down in Memphis? Are you guys starting to loosen things up? Are things going OK down there? Well, we burned our masks a long time ago. Uh <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. Um, I think there's going to be political payback on on the people that were responsible for masking us up. And, um, you know, it never really went over that well. I will say this, and I find this quite interesting. I don't want to give out names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I will say that there are certain airlines that are one particular based in the southern states. And I love flying this airline because they really don't care. They're kind of turning the other way when it comes to the mandates. And I, I love that. People are people are done. They're done. Yeah. Well, you can't continue to hold it on and then say, well, there's a new wave coming when we're not seeing an increase in hospitalizations. We're not seeing an increase in deaths. We may be well, seeing an increase in case numbers. But if it's a less uh, severe variant, then good. The case numbers are up because that way we can get a natural immunity. We can go on about our business and get back to normal. Andy, if you haven't noticed the mass consumption of pulled pork and ribs in this town, we have a lot more important things to worry about than COVID. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. It's Todd Starnes. You can hear his program here on KQM from 2 to 4 in the afternoons right after Dan Bongino, leading right up into the voice of reason. And you can also find him online, ToddStarnes.com. Todd, it's great. friend. It's so good to have you in the Wichita market. Welcome aboard. we got to get you back on the program again soon. I'd love to do it, Andy. Thanks a lot. There it is, Todd Starnes. Again, you can hear him uh, weekdays from 2 to 4 right here on KQAM after Dan Bongino leading into our broadcast of The Voice of Reason at 4 o'clock as well. So that perfect time slot, all you got to do, just keep it right here on KQAM all day long, and you'll get all the great content from Brian Kilmeade, Dan Bongino, Todd Starnes, myself, Joe Paggs, Jim Bohannon, and a heck of a lot more. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get ready to get to the bottom of the hour in a few minutes here. We have Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General, plus we do have one more pair of tickets to Shinedown we'll give away in a little bit as well. 
Stay tuned in for that one. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQM presented by Phil's Coins. 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, trading gold and silver with honesty and integrity. Phil'sCoins.com. Go and check them out until 2.30 this afternoon. back into the program all right we got just a minute here before we go to the bottom of the break open lines to you when we come back for the last half hour also we'll play our interview with Derek schmidt kansas attorney general on legal issues also media not liking the fact that the state legislature has passed a bill to allow 15 year olds in the state of kansas to drive alone to religious events it's kind of a it drives me nuts kind of a ridiculous bill i guess it's in the right direction but Good golly. We'll talk about that a little bit when we come back. They can already drive to work and back without supervision or someone being in the vehicle. Now they can drive to religious events as well. Why don't we just say, hey, 15-year-olds, let's get you your driver's license. Make sure you know what you're doing and go about your business. Why do we have to put all these exceptions in here? Why do we have to just, well, you can go here, but not over here? Drives me nuts. We'll do some of that when we come back here on Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right. Welcome back into the program here on a Saturday. Last half hour, last home stretch here for the program. Lots to talk about, lots to get to still. So welcome in. Had a fun conversation throughout the day today. I think we're going to carry that Barack Obama social media censorship freedom of speech thing over into the national broadcast on Monday. Kind of an interesting topic there for sure. So I want to get your thoughts on that as we wrap up the show. But I want to take a moment here. We always sit down about once a month with our Kansas Attorney General. A lot of legal issues going on in the state of Kansas. Sanctuary city laws out of Kansas City. Where are those at as we try to like not allow that? Because that's kind of absurd. Then we have trafficking. Some opioid issues here in the state. Plus his statement that he's had on some of the mask mandates and other things going on in the country as well. We sit down with him every uh, every month, and this is what he had to say. It's Candace Attorney General Derek Schmidt right here on KQAM. Derek, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing great. It's good to be back with you. Oh, yeah, it's always good to talk with you. A lot of stuff going on, obviously, as we ramp up into summer season right now. Things seem to pick up a little bit more so, but now that we're coming out of the COVID pandemic a little bit, we've seen announcements of mask mandates being led up uh, from, uh, from air travel and from lifts and from Ubers. Does it seem like we're starting to get almost back to normal when it comes to this thing that we've had to deal with for the last couple of years? Well, it certainly does feel that way. And, you know, I think it's a combination of things. First, the, the receding of the pandemic itself, which is great news. And then second, you know, folks have just, they, they've had their fill of a lot of these government restrictions. And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people, they're just done. Sure. And so that combination, um, it, it does make things feel much more normal. And I think that's very good that we're, we're back that way. That is very nice. That is very nice. Let's talk about some of the stuff going on here in Kansas specifically right now. We are just about wrapped up with the legislative session, a very interesting session, I think, for sure, going into election season as well. But also with the census from last year, we're working on legislation. 
legislative district maps. Where are we? I know that we've had some litigation on the congressional maps, but uh, what have you heard on the challenges in court on those and going into some of the lower redistricting as well for the state legislature and county commissions and that sort of thing? So three different sets of redistricting issues that we are or expect to be dealing with at the attorney general's office, and they're all discrete, one from another. First are the new congressional maps, the four uh, U.S. Congress districts in Kansas. Uh, the current state of play of that is people disgruntled with the new maps, filed a bunch of lawsuits. They got consolidated. We tried to go straight to the Kansas Supreme Court and get an answer. They wouldn't hear the case initially, sent it back to the trial court. So we had to have a trial. We finished that trial up about a week ago. Hmm. And I expect probably, probably early part of next week, the trial court will give us an answer. And then I'm certain that whoever loses, whether it's the state or the plaintiffs, is going to appeal, so we will then go back to the Kansas Supreme Court. So that's the state of play with the congressional maps. With respect to the state legislative maps, both the state House and the state Senate, uh, the legislature has passed those, the new ones. The governor signed them into law. Uh, I expect they will be published in the Kansas Register, like any new law has to be published today. And then very promptly after that, either late today or tomorrow probably, um, we, the Attorney General's Office, will file a, a request for the Kansas Supreme Court to review those maps and approve them. Mm -hmm. The reason we're going to do that, it's not that we're unhappy with the maps and we're challenging them by filing a lawsuit. It's that the Kansas Constitution sets up a special process to get the Supreme Court to review the um, uh, state legislative maps. It doesn't apply to other maps, but it does to legislative maps. So we have to initiate that process. So we'll be doing that. And then the third basket of issues are the State Board of Education maps, the 10 districts in Kansas. Normally, those aren't uh, – the courts don't get involved in those at all, and they may not this year. But there have been a couple of folks up on the Kansas uh, Board of Education who have suggested they think there's going to be a lawsuit. And so if there is, we'll, we'll – evaluate that when it comes sure it almost seems like it's nice too is almost a a secondary backup or a safety net on there as well for the approval from the courts whether we need it or not that way one of the political sides one way or the other doesn't come back later and be like well these are unfair and we never not got them approved or oversighted by the courts so it's almost like a safety net uh, that's already kind of built in place as well isn't it it is. I think that's why the people of Kansas adopted that constitutional provision back in the, I believe that was a 1970-0 provision. I'd want to double-check that timing. But it's, you know, it's relatively recent, so within the last 50 years or so. And uh, I, I think it's, it's a good thing. It, it forces everybody to take a look at these up front and gives more certainty for the next 10 years. Sure. Very good. There's been a couple lingering issues as well that we've talked about over the last few months as well regarding the Sanctuary City Bill coming out of uh, the Kansas City area, and along with the uh, the challenging of election laws. I know those have been two big things that uh, have been lingering for a while. We've talked to Secretary of State Scott Schwab on the election laws as well, but I know that those have been going through the courts. You obviously having some say in that as well. But talk about where those those two issues are, especially the Sanctuary City Bill. We have immigration that doesn't seem to be going away on the Ill illegal immigration front, and many cities wanting to hold up a sanctuary bill. But uh, are they still trying to fight this up in that area? So on the sanctuary city issue, you know, basically the, the label sanctuary usually in Kansas is boiled down to a local governing body, local politicians uh, on a city commission or county, whatever it is, that pass a local law and ordinance that tries to limit the ability of their law enforcement agencies to work with the feds or that does other things that are sort of related to, to that general subject matter. Um, my own view is that at the end of the day, immigration is supposed to be a federal issue. Uh, and it certainly ought not be decided by hundreds of local jurisdictions, and that there ought to be uniformity that, that does not allow these local jurisdictions to set their own immigration law and policy. Uh, 
And so we made that recommendation to the legislature. They adopted a bill that prohibits uh, the sort of law enforcement interference by local units of government on immigration matters and also has some other restrictions in it. Uh, that passed by veto-proof majorities in both houses of the legislature. And I think the governor could see the writing on the wall, so she signed it into law rather than being overridden. And that is now the law in the state of Kansas. So we should have uh, any of these local sanctuary jurisdictions should now be stopped in their tracks. Uh, and I think that's very, very good news. I'm sure she so, didn't like signing a bill like that either. I, I, I didn't detect a smile on her face when she signed <laughs> it, but um, uh, it was it's the right outcome. I'm very glad it became law. Like I say, I think it would have been law with or without her signature, but I'm, I'm glad it became law. I just uh, I, I just don't think we needed this patchwork of different approaches. And, and perhaps because of my background in, in public safety, I just think it's wrong to put these sort of gag orders on, on law enforcement officers on who they can cooperate with and who they can't when they're enforcing the law. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Sure. Yeah. It's so, yeah. On the illegal yeah. immigration front, as we can, with that topic going in mind, I know that you did release a statement as well regarding um, a couple federal issues on illegal immigration with the Title 42 that uh, that was ex- uh, that was going to be lifted, which even now Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. say they want to try and fight because it's not quite the time to do that, and illegal immigration is already a little bit out of hand. Uh, plus, the Remain in Mexico policy was ending. So uh, at the federal level overall, there's been a lot of changes on immigration policy, and that's going to be affecting state by state, I think, even here in the state of Kansas. You're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, those two policies... Uh, the so-called Remain in Mexico policy and the Title 42 issue, those have been the two biggest backstops against an even greater flood of migration uh, against our southern border. And the reason that's important is that our southern border security is already overwhelmed by the, the mass of humanity that's, uh, that's uh, trying to get into the country uh, unlawfully. Yeah. And the last thing you need is to have an even larger number of people trying to get through further overwhelmed border security and thereby enable that small minority of folks, uh, cartel-backed actors, other uh, criminal actors or bad actors, to uh, defeat our border security and get into the country and get here to Kansas. So, you know, that's why we care about this so passionately. It really is a public safety issue in our communities, even though it involves a border uh you know, 500 miles away from the southwest corner of Kansas, and it involves public policy decisions made in Washington. So we fought back on the Biden decision to try to roll back Remain in Mexico. We're winning that case in the courts. We fought back on the Biden administration's decision to roll back Title 42 public health measures at the border. And I'm optimistic we're going to win that in the courts. I think we'll file for an injunction here within the next day or two. And as you point out, that's bipartisan on our side. We have a number of Democrat U.S. senators who agree with us that it's a mistake uh, and probably unlawful for Biden to roll that back. So we're trying our best to stand in the breach. The best answer here is for the federal government to step up and do its job of securing the southern border. But when they fail that, uh, states are somewhat left to pick up the pieces. Yeah, it's sad because that is one of the duties where if they would just do their job and just enforce laws that are on the books, then this issue wouldn't be an issue. We can actually take care of things. What a concept, right? Absolutely. You know, there are a lot of things the federal government is not supposed to be doing, and we have to, you know, really push back when they do. But this is something they are supposed to be doing, and they're not getting the job done. So very yeah, frustrating. Exactly. Uh, the other issue, of course, is that election law uh, thing. It's been floating around, I think, since the last election. Now we're going into election season again for the midterms here. Uh, what's the latest that you've heard on lawsuits challenging election laws here in Kansas uh, as we move forward and closer to election time? So our job, of course, 
choices to defend the laws the way they're written by the legislature, assuming there's a, a, a plausible defense, and there certainly is in this space. So we are defending against several lawsuits that have been brought by uh, people unhappy mm-hmm. with the election security laws that were enacted last year, and I think there are probably going to be some more this year. Um, we're defending those. The state of play is that uh, the current the current immediate issue is on the so-called ballot harvesting provisions, the, the limitations on the ability of any one person to round up and deliver lots and lots and lots of other people's ballots uh, during any election cycle. And uh, so far, we've succeeded in defending that. We prevailed in the district court, defended the law. It is in place. And the other side is appealing to the appellate court, so we'll continue to defend it. So, you know, election law issues are always uh, fraught. People are very passionate on both sides. Uh, Our view is that the rule of law needs to prevail. And when the legislature, elected by the people, makes a decision, uh, that this should be the law. It, that law deserves a full defense, and that's what we give it. Good. I, I, and I'm glad we're talking about the conversation, whether there is fraud, whether it's not fraud. You know, nationwide, we know that there's some fraud to some degree, uh, whether it was enough to change the last election. You know, it's up for debate still for a lot of individuals. But after talking with Secretary of State Scott Schwab, after seeing the kind of lawsuits that have been presented here, I am relatively confident in our election process here in the state of Kansas. I think that we have a good system, and I think that we need to maintain that. I agree with that, Andy. I always use the metaphor. It's like doing maintenance on your car. Kansas just, not recently, twenty last 20 years, maybe more. Kansas, the legislature, the governors, uh, they have done a very good job every year of reviewing election laws, reviewing what's happened in elections in Kansas, but also in other states, spotting potential issues, and then moving to do preventative maintenance to avoid problems arising here in Kansas. And I think we ought to keep doing that. I think there's a reason that Kansas has had uh, good, solid elections, and it's because of that proactive leadership that's come out of the legislature and some of the governors, and I, I, I think we ought to continue it. Yeah, amen to that. Last question before we let you go, uh, but back here. Uh, when it comes to crimes and crime victims, and I know that uh, an individual out of Parsons was convicted on Jessica's Law charges. Uh, for those that don't know, maybe you could explain Jessica's Law a little bit, but uh, there's been really a big push uh, statewide over the last week or so on service to crime victims and trying to help out that type of crime going on in Kansas, because I know that's been a focal point for you for a while. That's certainly true, Andy. We we do a lot of crime victim support out of the Attorney General's office. We have a great group of people, very skilled uh, victim support people, and we do that every single day all over the state. Most of it's quiet work, as it should be, but trying to help out and support people in a time of great need when they've lost a loved one or they themselves have been a victim of crime. Um, and, uh, and sort of stepping up, helping them navigate the system, providing some financial support if really essential and needed uh, in order to recover. And uh, it's some of the most satisfying work that we do. And I'm really proud of our team that does that every day. Yeah, I love it. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, you got a lot of stuff going on. I always appreciate the time you give us. We love chatting with you. Keep up the great fight. It's going to be a crazy year of 2022. And we look forward to chatting with you again here real soon, my friend. Likewise. Thank you very much, Andy. Talk to you soon. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, we appreciate his time as always. We get him on on a monthly basis, get the latest legal issues going on here in the state of Kansas and around the country as well as we continue to fight some of the legal battles and the progressive agenda going on in the country. All right, we got to take a break here, wrapping up the show, but I don't want to waste any time. Our final pair. Let's do this thing. It's Shine Down Interest Bank Arena coming up Thursday this week, April 28th, with the Pretty Reckless. With the Revolutions Alive Tour, I have one more pair of tickets. And I think we're going to give those away right now with caller number three at 316 7218255 316-721-TALK. The phones light up every time. 
Again, the only conservative talk show in the country, the entire country that can give away metal tickets. <laughs> Why? Because we're awesome like that. It's Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Tickets officially given away. Shine down Interest Bank Arena Thursday next week, April 28th. You guys enjoy it. It's going to be a fun one again. I just left. They say that there's a mold of listeners that listen to talk radio, especially conservative talk radio. And people that go to metal concerts probably aren't that demographic that they usually assume. We break that mold here on this show. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I play so much of it on the air. You're just, we're like-minded. We get it. But I love it. I love being able to give those kind of tickets away and have some fun with it. So you guys enjoy it. I may see you out there. Not quite sure yet. And uh, rock on, baby. That's what it's all about. we got a couple minutes left here of the program uh, right around the corner. Next week as we wrap up, can you believe it? We are almost to the end of April already. One more week of April as we get into May and uh, the warmer weather, the summertime, potentially storms, I guess. Who knows what's going to happen on that front. But we have a lot of things that we uh, need to battle here in the state of Kansas. We have one more week of the legislative session for the veto session where they go in, they wrap up their deals. I want to know what you think on what the priorities need to be for the last week or so. Obviously, we have a budget to pass. We have tax cuts to pass. Apparently, Governor Kelly wants to give us another stimulus check as well. Like, hey, we got all this money coming in from COVID, and we're going to lower taxes. We set a billion dollars aside to be able to pay up on the capers payments to get those caught up again. So that way we're not, like, re-amortizing like what she wanted to do when she first got into the governor's office, which is a really, really stupid idea, by the way. But she has now decided that with the income coming into the state of Kansas, a.k.a. tax revenue, which you know why the tax revenue is up, right? It's because of inflation. Inflation's higher which means the prices at the store are more expensive because it's more expensive to get them in because it's more expensive to produce them or to ship them or to get them. So they're jacking up the prices on the goods. Then you purchase the good and the purchase good at the six and a half percent tax rate that we have in the state of Kansas uh, means that it's taxing a more expensive products, which means they're getting more money. So they're just in shock and awe on why they have more tax revenue coming in, while at the same time we get the national reports of consumer spending is going down, even for the higher-income individuals. It's simple math for those that actually understand how economics work on a one-on-one level basis, but they just don't get it. So in her mind, oh, wow, okay, we're going to do the things that other politicians have done that look like we're giving back to the community, not in the long term by actually reducing more taxes to where we just have to pay less and it relieves our burden at the, you know, on the daily basis with our basic budget that you and I have to deal with every day, unlike what the governments have to do. But here's another check for you. We'll do like a George Bush, just $300 stimulus payment. You could see a $250 for an individual $500 stimulus check additional coming in from the state of Kansas because she thinks that one-time reimbursement payment is going to compensate for long-term tax reductions that she doesn't want to do because like every good little Democrat, they had to cut taxes and actually get rid of government revenue coming in. 
Hopefully we can see some other tax cuts coming in like we've seen and heard from from the tweet tweets of other legislators saying that they're trying to get rid of taxes, including property taxes. That does it for us today. We'll do it next week to wrap up the legislative session. Also get you up on the up and up with the city and county issues. More politics as well. Make sure to join us on the weekdays at 4 p.m. for The Voice of Reason. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio. This is KQAM.